This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. The literature shows that we can live to 120 comfortably. It takes a lot of work, but I think given our current technology, what we know from a health-promoting perspective, that is absolutely achievable. Nick Bitts is a naturopathic doctor. He specializes in integrative medicine, working alongside other medical practitioners, biohackers and scientists with the common goal of optimizing our quality of life. They're called the Neurohacker Collective. Hello again. Welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Now, one thing I've learned while doing this podcast is that there is no one magic intervention that is going to lead to a healthier, longer life. In fact, there are no magic solutions. I don't believe in that. But there are many interventions that we can embrace to enhance our health span. They include better sleep, a finely tuned diet and exercise regime. They could also include the use of nootropics, supplements that could enhance our cognitive performance, senolytics, compounds that improve our cellular health. The question is, as ever, where do we start with these things? Dr. Nick Bitts, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here, Peter. Good to talk to you, Nick. Neurohacker Collective, I gave a very brief outline as to what you do. Could you embellish that a little bit and explain what your purpose is working alongside these other experts? Yeah, in short, Neurohacker Collective is a biohacking company. We are a group of scientists, uh, doctors, entrepreneurs, health enthusiasts that, that enjoy building nootropic products and anti-aging products overall. And so we're really on a mission to uh, just really improve people's lives, to optimize human performance on all levels and in very uh, significant and meaningful ways. And so we know that there's a, a vast array of dietary supplements in the marketplace, and we really want to provide novel solutions um, that, again, provide significant and meaningful upgrades in life. You mentioned nootropics, and I mentioned them in the introduction. Again, could you explain perhaps how they are distinctly different from many of the supplements that we see on store shelves uh, and that have been on the market for a long time? Yeah, nootropics are, are a word that's been thrown around a lot. Um, it, it's, it's definitely an older word. It has Greek roots, uh, which means to turn the mind. And so in short, these nootropic substances or nootropic products are really anything that can improve cognitive performance uh, overall. And so uh, just in short, co uh, nootropics are cognitive enhancers. Um, they influence higher brain functions, uh, cognition, behavior, uh, memory, learning. Generally speaking, they have little or no toxicity. They can be used every day to just kind of give you that added brain boost that you're looking for. We're going to dive a little deeper into that in a moment. Maybe you could give us a, a potted history of yourself and what has brought you to this point in your career. 
where you went to school, what you studied, and maybe what has happened during your life to focus your attention on this area of science? Yeah, so let's see. Presently, I'm, I'm the VP of product development at Neurohacker, um, so I oversee the product development team. Um, I am, by training, I'm a naturopathic physician. You know, I've practiced for several years up in Los Angeles, up in Seattle, as well as Vail, Colorado. At the time, I was focusing on family medicine, in viral medicine, environmental medicine, um, and and I specialized in Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is really my specialty. It's my my passion, and I would say it's really the lens that I I I, I see patient care. I see foods. I see botanicals through. And Ayurveda, for anybody that may not be familiar, is. Uh, considered the first form of medicine in the world. And it comes from India. It's about 5,000 years old. Um, it's considered the sister science or the brother science to yoga. They go hand in hand from a philosophy standpoint. Um, and, and I've just seen Ayurveda work very well for conditions that are very hard to treat uh, in a clinical setting. And so kind of what's what's old is new again. We're seeing this resurgence uh, renewed interest in in uh, these old therapies, these old ways of thinking, and Ayurveda is no different. Um, it certainly is uh, making its way into the U.S. We're seeing it on the shelves of Whole Foods and Sprouts markets and various health food stores in the form of um, ashwagandha, as an example. Uh, these tried and true botanicals that come from the Ayurvedic tradition. And so, um, you know, I've really been in the dietary supplement space for uh, my entire life. Um, I grew up in uh, Boulder, Colorado, and I worked the, the aisles of some of the early health food stores um, and was passionate about botanicals and, and nutritional therapies. Um, and so I, I really wanted to focus my life in that area, which is why I went to study naturopathic medicine up in Seattle. The reason that I chose naturopathic medicine over more conventional medical training is because they give you that good background in botanical medicine, in uh, nutritional therapies, in counseling. Um, it's much more holistic, and, and I felt that integrative medicine was sorely needing, uh, sorely needed at the time when I was when I was studying medicine. And so, uh, naturopathic medicine and Ayurveda really helped to fill that void for me personally. And so, you know, in 2009, I moved to Los Angeles. Um, uh, I moved out of clinical practice and I started formulating for a couple different companies in the, in the supplement space. Um, and so that was really my foot in the door as a formulator. And then from then, I've worked for a couple different companies, uh, now most recently with the Neurohacker Collective developing products. You said holistic. Holistic is another one of those words that's bandied around quite a lot. And uh, and when you hear it, you almost instinctively think, oh, well, that means better. That means more wholesome. That means more organic. Can you give me maybe a better definition of that and why we should be excited about things being holistic? Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I, I think there probably is a fair amount of confusion around that term. Um, obviously, holistic means whole. And in short, I think of anything that, that is holistic as being more broad in its, its viewpoints. And so when you look at a human, you really can't reduce that human down to a specific disease or a specific pathway or one specific imbalance. Everything is interconnected and everything interplays with each other. 
And so the only way, I think, to get the real benefits that you're looking for is to address the whole system. Um, and rather than just pushing one pathway, you need to look at everything that's going on inside the body. And so that obviously includes a lot of lifestyle facets, including uh, sleep patterns, what you eat on a daily basis, uh, how you relate to people, um, how you relate to your job, your environmental surroundings. Um, we take all of that into consideration and we look at the person as a whole because everything influences that person. And so when I think of holistic medicine, I think of it less as a disease-oriented system of healthcare and more as a health-promoting uh, system of healthcare. And so as a holistic physician, my goal has always been to promote health. And so I'm not looking at somebody's knee pain or their headaches or these, you know, one-off uh, imbalances. I'm looking at the entire person and saying, how can I bring that person from their current state of health into a uh, more elevated, upgraded, uh, increased state of health? And I find that when you can increase somebody's state of health overall, um, these these disorders, these imbalances that they've had forever, or even for a short amount of time, will spontaneously disappear. And so the, the analogy that I like to use is just turning on the light switch. You know, if you walk into a room and the room is pitch black, um, you don't try to push the darkness out, right? You just turn on the light. And so holistic medicine is doing that. It's creating whole body health from a very broad perspective. Which I guess comes back to how I started, saying that there is no one solution to better health today and ultimately longevity. It isn't just diet, exercise, sleep, or the supplementation regime that we choose. It is a combination of, of all of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and when I think about dietary supplements, um, they're just a tool. You know, they're a tool that I recommend people use, but they're not the only tool that I recommend using. You know, you really need to look at all facets to make sure that people are getting uh, the full benefit that they're looking for. So as I often phrase it, where do we start? This can be quite overwhelming for someone who has maybe that light bulb moment that they need to do something to improve their everyday health and hopefully their health span, the number of years that they enjoy optimum health. But when we're talking about all these different parts to the jigsaw, it can be quite overwhelming, can't it, in terms of which intervention or which combination of interventions to start with? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I think it, it is important to work with uh, a healthcare practitioner that understands the intricacies um, of, of all these different therapies, all these different recommendations so that you're getting the very best tried and true uh, suggestions that, that are pertinent for you. I think a lot of people um, simply rely on Google. They look up something and then they try something and that's fine. You know, I think that that certainly has opened people up to uh, these more holistic, natural uh, interventions such as dietary supplements. Um, because th there's a trial um, that really feeds into that that interest. And they may or may not get benefit, but they are trying it. And so I think that opens the door for them, which is significant because five years ago, people weren't looking at dietary supplements uh, from a very mainstream perspective. But I think over the last five years, I think that there's been a lot more acceptance to these types of therapies. But not all therapies, not all um, dietary supplements are, are the same. Um, and it's really important to understand what is needed for you as a person. And do you think in this 
well, hopefully post-COVID world. COVID hasn't gone away, but hopefully the situation is getting better. That people are more aware of their needs with respect to what we're talking about, that supplementation and other interventions to improve our health is what we need and that that sort of base immunity to help us fight new viruses, potentially if they come along, is all important. Yeah, I think COVID has been an opportunity for everybody to really assess their immune status. And I think that that specific issue uh, has much larger ramifications for health. And and people are understanding that that in order to be fully healthy, fully well, um, even just looking at the immune system as an example, you need to be proactive in that area in order to get the benefit. You can't just passively allow the days to go by and 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 the the environmental conditions or these internal conditions that arise. If you don't have the tools or the vitality to rise up and meet the demand, um, you're going to be in trouble. And so I think people are understanding that they need to be proactive. And then there are tools that allow you to be proactive in your own healthcare. And we're approaching the winter season and there's a lot of reporting around at the moment. It's a little unpredictable, but it could be a very bad flu season. We haven't had much flu over the last couple of years. And again, that helps people focus their minds in terms of how they can not deal with it when it happens, but hopefully prepare for it and perhaps prevent some of the, the worst aspects of the flu if it were to hit them. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of really um, actionable things that people can do on a daily basis, right? And again, it all starts with some of the basic lifestyles, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, uh, making sure that you're eating a nutritionally dense diet, of course, adding in vitamin D and looking at your vitamin D status, critically important. Um, and then there's more targeted nutritional uh, regimens as well when you get into functional medicines or you get into uh, beta-glucan, um, which is an isolated component found in functional uh, mushrooms. You can take these things day in and day out just to make sure that you're building your immune system um, and, and you're not just trying to be reactive when the time arises to be reactive. And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. You're listening to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Our guest is a naturopathic doctor, Dr. Nick Bitts. This is, Nick, a podcast about human longevity. It is about the aging process. It is about looking ahead to hopefully future decades when we enjoy the best of health. I'm, I'm curious what your perspective is on aging and perhaps this phrase, the hallmarks of aging that are used so frequently. Yeah, aging is an enormous topic. There's a lot of new science in aging uh, every week. Um, but I, I do think a good starting point for any conversation around aging is the hallmarks of aging. Um, and, and this idea of the hallmarks of aging came about in a 2013 a groundbreaking review article that summarized all of the aging science up to that point. Um, and successfully, they were able to categorize 
the underlying causes of aging into nine different categories. And these are called the nine hallmarks of aging. And they're really just these functional mechanisms that we know that drive the aging process overall. And so this idea of these nine hallmarks really has been, um, I think, instrumental in guiding and pushing forward research in the area of the biology of aging. And so these hallmarks are not diseases themselves, but rather they're, again, these underlying uh, factors that really drive the aging processes overall. And so some of them are are a little bit um, technical, um, but some of them are, I think most of your listeners probably know about. One would be mitochondria. And we know that uh, as we age, we tend to acquire these mitochondrial dysfunctions. Um, And mitochondria are just these powerhouses that are in the centers of all the cells throughout the body. And as we age, we tend to, these mitochondrial powerhouses tend to become less efficient and they produce less ATP cellular energy, which has very broad consequences throughout the body. Another hallmark would be the shortening of telomeres. And telomeres are just these protective caps at the end of DNA that protect the DNA. And so when they shorten, um, you have consequences around DNA and genomic instability. Um, and so one that's getting, one hallmark that's getting a lot of press these days and is getting a lot of tension in the lab, um, is this area of cellular senescence. And cellular senescence, um, I think is that one of the most fascinating hallmarks overall. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see a lot of product development in this area because the potential and the promise in this area is so vast. And what is interesting to me is that what you've just been talking about are aspects of aging that we can't see. We're talking about cellular science and the health of our cells, mitochondria, cells that perhaps, to use a, a common term, a, a pass their cell by date, that they've done their job, they are no longer any use, they need to be either thrown out or in some ways repaired before they can be used again. And the processes that you've just been referring to, and especially mitochondrial health, are so crucial to us. But also, I imagine for a lot of people, easily overlooked because there is no obvious outward indication that perhaps our mitochondria are not doing as well as they could. So I'm wondering how you can share that knowledge and share that education with people in a way that it matters to us as much as our diet matters, which we can see in terms of being muscular or we can see in being overweight or perhaps our exercise regime more generally that enables us to to run and to walk fast and to do all those physical things that we enjoy. Targeting our cellular health isn't quite as easy, as it? You know, it's not, but, but it is possible. And I think that's the promise of, of healthy aging and, and anti-aging medicine overall. Um, you know, there is something called chronological age, which is really your, right. your calendar birthday. But there's a lot of other forms of age, right? Biological age would be one. Um, the, the perceivable age, how people view you. Do you look young? Do you look vital? There's the felt age. You know, do you feel your age? If you're 40, do you feel... 40, or maybe do you feel 60? Maybe you feel a little bit younger. And so overall, anti-aging medicine is looking at these invisible forces and trying to figure out what can we do uh, to make significant and meaningful changes in ways that are felt, that are, that are visible, um, that actually create change in the body. 
And so the, I think the promise of cellular senescence and getting into this area of senolytics um, is really fascinating because it's very actionable and it's, it's a tool that people can use day in and day out and they can feel the results. You know, it's a lot of times you end up taking as an example, a supplement, you take a probiotic and, and, and you wonder, is it working? It may not be felt. You may not have less gas, less bloating, better bowel movements. Um, but you end up taking it every day because you think that it's working. And so there's a lot of value, I think, in these therapies that can be felt. And I think Neurohacker Collective is building products in this area because we want these, uh, these, these positive experiences for our customers overall. So I think when you're talking about uh, senolytics and senolescent cells, it is important, as you said, to work with a professional, to work with someone when you're talking about supplementation as to precisely what is best for you in terms of the products and the dosage required for the individual, because we are all different. We all respond to interventions in different ways. And I always say, I say this repeatedly on the podcast, if you are considering a change, a dietary change, consult your doctor or your health professional first, because as a complete, as a full, whole human being, everything is interconnected and you, you need to be checked out. But I'm curious in terms of what you would suggest in terms of physical changes or, or dietary changes, uh, leaving aside supplementation at the moment, just purely physical changes to our lifestyle in terms of interventions and what we eat that could benefit us at a cellular level? Yeah, I mean, if we, if we focus on senescence as an example, um, there are some lifestyle uh, suggestions that, that some of the bigger minds in this space uh, tend to make. Um, obviously, exercise is critically important. We know that people that do exercise have a lower incidence of senescent cell burden um, uh, over the course of their lifetime. So critically important to find an exercise regimen that works specifically for you. Obviously, if you're doing something that's taxing your immune system, um, that is going to reduce the body's ability to get rid of these senescent cells over time. And so, you know, running long marathons, um, training, uh, overtraining, as it were, lifting too many weights too frequently, um, these types of things can actually stress out the system um, and create more uh, issues than they do uh, positive uh, benefits overall. So finding the right kind of exercise is critically important. Uh, I'm a big fan of yoga. I'm a big fan of walking. Um, those two are uh, very low uh, physical load on the joints. There's something that you can do every single day. Um, and you can do them for your entire life. You know, when you're 120, um, you can certainly do some mild stretching. You can go for a walk around the block. Um, so exercise, critically important. I think everybody understands that. When we talk about senescence, another area that you can, uh, you can impact through lifestyle regimens would be uh, diet. And we know that fasting really helps to prime the body to get rid of these senescent cells. Um, it actually induces what's called autophagy. Um, and autophagy is just the cellular recycling. So when you have stressed or damaged cells, um, your body will go in there and renew these proteins or renew these cells uh, to make them whole again. And so we know that fasting sets the body up to, um, to, to effectively do that, uh, as well as to lower the senescent cell load um, overall. 
Um, and then the immune system is critically important. So when you have cells that are stressed out, that are worn out, um, that have gone through their entire uh, life cycle from birth to death, you need to prune them from the body. And so in part, one of the ways that we do that is through uh, the immune system. And so when you have a robust, strong immune response overall, you're going to be able to go in there and uh, lower your, your senescent cell load over time. And in terms of embracing Ayurveda, the ancient Indian system of medicine, for people who are used to modern day American Western world systems of medicine, where would you suggest that people start perhaps just changing the emphasis of their healthcare? Yeah, when it comes to Ayurveda, I do think it's important to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, in part, I think the the starting point for any Ayurvedic regimen is understanding your 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 body type, your your constitution. And so we're all made up of these five different elements. And depending on the uh, interplay of those elements within your body, you then would understand what you need to do from a botanical diet lifestyle uh, regimen choice. And so you need to understand, are you a vata, pitta, or kapha body type? Um, those are the kind of the three primary body types, but then there's mixtures. You have a vata pitta, you have a pitta vata, you have a vata kapha, and on and on. So it really is important to work with somebody who can uh, listen to your concerns, um, understand um, who you are, what your needs are based upon pulse diagnosis, tongue diagnosis, face diagnosis, and such. Um, the, the thing that I like uh, that Ayurvedic does so well is, again, that it works from an energetic standpoint. And so whenever it looks at a botanical, let's talk about ashwagandha, which I mentioned earlier, um, it looks at the energetics of that plant and it understands that those energetics are going to influence your body energetics. And so Ayurveda is a medicine of opposites. And so if you have too much heat, you need to do things that are heat reducing in your diet or botanically. And so ashwagandha tends to be heating overall. It tends to be oily. Um, it tends to be calming. And so it's perfect for body types that are the opposite of that, that are cold, um, that are dry, and that tend to be frenetic or nervous. And so it perfectly balances out that person. If you're taking ashwagandha and those are your uh, energetic foundational qualities, you can create balance day in and day out once you understand what's needed for your specific body type. And balance is hugely important, isn't it, in, in so many aspects of our health. And another word that I like to use often is moderation. And that is, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, on not going to extremes in terms of potential interventions that we think might help us, but then sometimes there's a temptation to go over the top with them. Yeah, I mean, you've probably talked about it, and if not, you've probably heard the term orthorexia. And people, they, they take these, these uh, health-promoting regimens, protocols, therapies, diet recommendations, they take those to an extreme, um, and it actually creates an imbalance. Right. So it is incredibly important to have flexibility in the mind um, and to have flexibility in your, your diet and your regimen. And so I often recommend an 80-20 rule where 80% of the time you're doing things pretty strictly 
Um, but then, you know, it allows for that 20% where you can kind of play around, you can indulge, um, you know, you can stay out late with friends, um, you know, you can, you can veer from that strict course 20% of the time. And so it is critically important, I think, for balance because you can't be 100% all the time. It really, I think, limits your freedom around health. So, Nick, I think you mentioned a few moments ago, or you referred to potentially getting to, I think it was 120 years old. And again, this is a podcast about aging and the potential to live a very long, healthy life. I'm curious what your own personal aspirations are in the real world, what you think is possible, and what you're doing in your own daily lifestyle to achieve a great long life. You know, that's a great question. I often ask people, what are their intentions uh, around how long do you want to live? I think a lot of people haven't really framed that question um, or asked themselves that question, but, but it is a very interesting question. You know, when you get into the Ayurvedic sciences, you get into the yogic sciences, um, the literature shows that we can live to 120 comfortably. It takes a lot of work, but I think given our current technology, what we know from a health-promoting perspective, that is absolutely achievable. Of course, anti-aging science is constantly evolving where we have new discoveries every day, every week. So I think that within the next couple of years, there's going to be some new strategies that can help us along the way. But I think just given some of the foundational basics that we have at our disposal today, I think hitting 100 should be no problem. And beyond that, I think is absolutely achievable. And so, you know, in my studies of Ayurveda, uh, I've been able to capture a lot of these really core concepts that that I utilize for myself um, and that I, I have recommended for patients as well. Um, you know, one of them is um, this idea of panchakarma. And so from an Ayurvedic perspective, they recommend these detox therapies called pancha karma. Pancha means five, karma means action. And so there's five ways to get rid of these, the kind of the buildup of uh, disordered energy in the body. Um, and so you basically do a preparatory uh, diet. You go through these panchakarma treatments, working with a trained practitioner, um, and then you implement a lot of Ayurvedic tools after. It's very effective. You know, I lived in southern India for a good chunk of time, and I worked in an Ayurvedic uh, Panchakarma hospital um, where we had uh, patients uh, from all over the world that would come in from uh, anywhere from a week to about 40 days for these Panchakarma treatments. Um, incredible in terms of the results that, that it provides. You know, this, this idea of adaptogens is now blowing up uh, especially in the States. And, and adaptogens, the idea of adaptogens uh, as it is, they don't really exist in Ayurveda. Ayurveda doesn't talk about adaptogens. So even though ashwagandha is quote unquote an adaptogen, Ayurveda doesn't frame it that way. And, but they, they look at um, these rejuvenative therapies um, and they have a, a whole branch of medicine called Rasayana, um, which means the path of juice. And in short, these therapies are thought to inject juice or water or moisture or vitality into the body, which promotes longevity. And so um, I use the analogy of we all start out as this ripe grape. And over time, we lose that juiciness, that water, that moisture. And eventually we become this shriveled 
uh, 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 raisin in the end. And so how do we shift that course from grape to raisin along the way? And Ayurveda, again, has a whole category of therapies that are rejuvenative and that are geared at injecting that, that juice, as it is, back into the body to give it more longevity to allow you to live longer. One simple uh, tool would be something called Abhayanga. And Abhayanga is oil therapies that you do day in and day out. It's a self-massage. And so once you understand your body type, you find a body type appropriate uh, massage oil to give yourself a massage every single day before or after you get out of the shower. Um, and that really helps to just nourish all of the tissues, nourish the central nervous system, um, the nerves, the brains, um, helps to ground you in your body. Um, and, and again, to use an analogy, it's, it's, it's like adding oil to a piece of leather. You know, if you put a piece of leather without any oil on it out in the sun, eventually it's just going to dry up and shrivel. But if you put oil on it day in and day out, that piece of leather will stand the test of time forever. And so Abhyanga is a fascinating area of science in and of itself, but it's very simple. So just use a simple unrefined or refined sesame oil and give yourself a, a body massage every day. Hmm, that's really interesting. And in terms of with that 120 years in mind, do you have any other daily rituals? Uh, just give me a snapshot of a day in the life of Nick Bits and uh, what you do first thing in the morning to nurture your longevity. Yeah, you know, I, I, I veer from my meditation practice. I would love to say that I do meditation every single day, but um, I aspire to do more meditation again. Um, I, I've had meditation in my practice for 20 plus years easily. Um, I practice Vipassana meditation. And the recommendation from that school of philosophy is that you should meditate an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Um, and given my schedule these days, um, I'm trying to get about 20 minutes in per day, which is still valuable. And I get a lot of benefit. It really helps to just clear my mind and, and center me during the course of my day. And so meditation is definitely one tool uh, I'm a huge uh, fan of sun salutations, um, which is a uh, really foundational yogic practice. Um, and so I do 12 sun salutations um, every single day because it works every major muscle in the body. It works every major joint in the body. Um, and that for me is my favorite form of exercise. Um, and then I also do some breathing exercises. Uh, I'm a big fan of and, uh, Dr. Andrew Wiles' uh, he, he calls it the four, seven, eight breathing exercise. That's great. Um, I, yeah. I also do boxed breathing and I do more vigorous uh, pranayama, yogic breathing too, just to move prana, to move energy through the body, to make sure that I'm not getting too stagnant. I definitely sit in front of a computer a lot to work. Um, and so I try to make sure that I'm countering that through energetic work. And in terms of the reasons why any of us would want to live to a great age. It seems fairly obvious to me, but it isn't necessarily obvious and it isn't an aspiration of everyone. But from your perspective, what would the joy be in being 100, 110, 120 and hopefully in good health? Yeah, that's the key. I mean, I certainly don't expire for longevity just to live to 120. You know, it really is about health span. How can you create health and live healthy later in life? And so from my standpoint, it's just 
it's about giving back. It's about doing my part in the world. It's about participating in my family. It's about seeing my kids have kids. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of wisdom. The older you get, the wiser you become. And I, I think the older that you get, the more impactful uh, you can become in your communities. And unfortunately, when you're in your 20s, it's not usually not a priority. Um, but I think once you get later in life, you understand giving back and the value of giving back. And so I think that um, I think that's that's really the big promise. I think that citizens that can live to 100, 110, 120, I think that their output and their outcomes become much more incredible later in life. And I think that's a great point to end this. Nick, fascinating to talk to you. You're based in Los Angeles. Uh, we'll put details of how to do a deeper dive into your work into the show notes for this episode. But if people do want to get in touch with you and follow you more closely, where should they go? Yeah, neurohacker.com. That has all of the products that we're creating presently. Um, you can follow us on all the different social media outlets. Uh, that's that's probably the best way. Excellent. As I say, I'll put the details so it's clickable, easy to get to you into the show notes for this episode. Nick, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much. And you'll find those show notes at the Llama Podcast website. That's double L-A-M-A podcast.com. This has been a Healthspan Media production. I'm at Peter Bowes. Love to hear your feedback to the conversations that we have. And in the meantime, do take care. And thanks for listening. Flexbeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the Flexbeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. Flexbeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a Flexbeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.